0: Hey everybody and thank you for joining me on another episode of Tea with Taylor. In this episode it will be a short clip from my episode Climate Change or a Climate Exaggeration where I focus on how climate change policies hurt the poor. So if you're interested take a look or listen and if you'd like to see the full clip go check out my other episode Climate Change or Climate Exaggeration. As always I appreciate you guys tuning in and I hope to see you again soon. God bless. So now with all that information on some context on the policies, as well as the truth behind what is going on with the climate, how does climate change hurt the poor? Which I briefly touched on, but let's go in more detail. Obviously, poor developing nations need more education, they need more health, they need technology, and in order to do so, they need the energy to facilitate these things which reliable energy done by fossil fuels just like the developed nations today have used and it is wrong for us to tell them that they can't develop their nations while we already developed ours using reliable energy like fossil fuels. When people in rich countries talk about the problem in the developing world, we typically talk about it when catastrophe strikes and why do we do that? Because then they can say, look, look, look over there, climate change. if we were to, like we do in our country, boost up infrastructure and adaptation, their catastrophes wouldn't be so dramatic. They say, I go on to continue, uh, areas hit by hurricanes would be better off if they were to be less poor instead of cutting carbon. Like Like we said, better infrastructure rather than these coastal island areas that are living in, relative to American standards, shacks. And they get hit very hard when hurricanes come through. Putting climate policies over growth policies doesn't just do nothing; it actually is very detrimental to poor and developing nations. And in my opinion, it's inhumane and anti-human. So we are going to sacrifice their, other humans' life span expectancy, their life in general, day to day, and their infrastructure, so we feel better about taking care of. planet it's in it's immoral it's it's not right and i want to continue by saying when when climate policies lead to higher electricity prices as we kind of mentioned before this harms the poor more than the rich when elites have no problem taking on another tax or higher prices because a smaller percent of their income is paid for these higher energy bills where more percent of the income of middle class and lower class are are paid to energy bills so when they go up it is more money out of their pocket, and it, they they are more aware of it, and it's, they're more burdened by it. And higher energy prices will literally kill people, as Lomborg said. In 2019, a study shows that frack, fracking, which no more fracking, compared to AOC and Biden, even though Biden said he wasn't going to end fracking, but now you know now that he's elected, politicians never lie, but now he's going to end fracking. In 2019, study shows that fracking delivered dramatically lower energy costs in America, which drove down the price of, he- of heating homes. Cold homes are one of the leading causes of death in the winter. This study estimated that the lower energy prices saved about 11,000 Americans from dying in the winter each year. There has always been and there always will be natural disasters. And that's one thing we have we have to like put into consideration. There will all, we, we cannot create this utopia economically or environmentally that some people try and sell you. It is not true, utopia is heaven. So if you want utopia, be a good person, find your relationship with God and go to heaven. But we are not gonna have utopia here on earth and we need to be cognizant and acknowledge that in order to make responsible decisions on how to move forward with any policy that is, or any problem that is facing human humans today. Is that utopia is impossible, but how can we innovate and adapt and develop and use research to develop to make life better. Better, not perfect. But even though we can't make the world perfect, we can obviously make it better. And we have done for many, many, many years and we will continue to do so. Some more good news, growth between now and 2050 will drastically reduce the amount of people starving from 800 million today to 200 million by 2050. So I wanna continue on what Lomberg's ideas are on how to fix climate change. Obviously, innovation and adaptation, which would be my, my way of thinking that through. I believe in the individual. I believe in human ingenuity. And I believe in, in innovation, that technology as it grows and people care. I mean, they're, like, they do research. There's, actual, there's Elon Musk, who's trying to do things. He cares about the problem. He's trying to make life better here on earth and potentially in Mars. There's another person that I follow, the Ocean Cleanup, and they are, uh, they created these incredible machines that are in rivers, and they stop the, because a lot of, majority of the pollution in the ocean come from a minute amount of rivers throughout the world, many located in Asia. So they have these machines that are located in these rivers to um, to accumulate the pollution and the, you know, the amount of plastic or whatever it may be in the ocean or in the river before going into the ocean. And their goal, I believe by 2050, I'm not quite sure the date, is they want to, maybe it's a little bit sooner, maybe it's like 2000, I don't know. They want to reduce, there is, I don't know if you guys have known this, there is a island of trash in the Pacific Ocean, the size of Texas. And their goal is to make that reduced by half, I think by 2030 actually. But they have these incredible machines that are doing that and they're using this trash and then they're gonna try and develop products from that. You can look up look up companies like this, people actually who care about the environment tend to just go and take care of it themselves and to put their money where their mouth is, not just the taxpayer money where their idealistic views tend to lead them. Um, Lombard also touches on that he believes in a global tax that would be the same throughout everyone that would reduce or hinder the amount of carbon that is initiated, so it's like a carbon tax. If you you put forth a certain amount of carbon into the atmosphere, you have to pay a tax on that. I, as a more conservative, libertarian-minded person, am not in favor of taxes so i disagree but maybe some of you will agree so he he has a section on that um as i said adaptation when it comes to sea level rising coastal coastal defense and better infrastructure when it comes to flooding i mean there's literally nations like holland and he compares in the book Holland and Bangladesh, who live under the sea level. And Holland tends to have less catastrophe when it comes to flooding and water because of their prosperity, and they're able to have stronger dikes and infrastructure. When you compare that to Bangladesh, they tend to have more catastrophe or, or damage done by these disasters because of they don't have the same prosperity or capabilities that Holland has. So what we really need to do is to make these to make economies everywhere in societies everywhere more prosperous where they can have stronger they can have stronger defense climate defense through infrastructure adaptation and innovation we need these people who are in hotter temperatures to have air conditioning because when it's really hot outside we are lucky and privileged enough to be able to go inside and turn our air conditioning on same thing when it's cold because more people die from cold than they do hot so he actually makes the argument that the temperature getting a little bit warmer Will actually be less deadly than if it were to get colder but thankfully we have situations where we can go inside and we can heat our homes and for us in the western developed world we don't have to use coal or we don't have to use wood we have furnaces electric gas things of that nature fossil fuels hmm. and an, uh, a good point of this, which I thought was an interesting point, I don't even know if you guys know this, It's, it's we don't need the government to always tell us to innovate and to do better because back in the, between the 1700s and the 1800s, we, one of the, the fifth largest industry in the world was whale oil because that, they would use the oil from the whales so they would slaughter whales to light in, in the candles through innovation, not because the government told them to stop killing whales, but they found you know, through innovation in creating electricity that there's more sufficient, cost-effective and less damaging ways to get electricity. So humans will take the approach that is more cost-effective and humane given the ability to do so. And then he goes on to uh, mention that there are ways to store energy and it's something that we should put money for for research and development um and 90 percent 96 percent of the energy today that is stored is by a technology of water storage so when they pump the water up and then they bring it down when they need it and it's a way you know he he does a little bit more technical terms but that's how they store energy and so when it's used they're able to access that energy at any time he also says investment in nuclear energy which no one you know the many people in the that push for the Green New Deal, they say they want carbon cuts, they want to help the environment and more make more clean energy. Yet they're against nuclear. Or is it that they're trying to cut carbon, and they're trying to better the environment, or is it that it's just they want to implement their policies, more money, more control, an ever expanding government? I don't know. Something to think about. But nuclear energy is one of, has one of the lowest death risks of any energy. It is very safe and it doesn't emit any carbon dioxide it is expensive to develop their plants but you know that may be something that the cost is worth the benefit because it's energy that could be stored it's easier it's safer it doesn't emit carbon and it's dependable another one is which he mentions just putting more forth research and development, he's not saying to go on it today, but it is something that we should be cognizant of and something that we should continue to research and develop and it's called geoengineering backup plan. And this is about more sophisticated ways to alter the climate. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm not against scientists looking into it. And one of them is stratospheric aerosol injection, marine cloud brightening. And I'll let you read the book to have a more insightful view on what it does, but it seems that activists are more concerned with just reducing fossil fuels than they are in reducing the rise in temperature because otherwise they would want more access and development and research into nuclear or these geoengineering scientific ways. (laughs) So in my conclusion, I just wanna say that experts and politicians like I mentioned at the beginning of my episode, and I'm going to mention again today, are never held accountable for being wrong. They don't want us to be skeptical. They just say, experts say, and you are to believe. They don't want you to double think. As I mentioned, a lot of the information that they give to us is to scare us, and it's not even accurate, honest information. It's constant state of fear, because they know when when people are fearful, we look to the government to save us. And the government, will take advantage of those those human emotions and manipulate them and enforce them for what they want and their desired end and i am very skeptical of people who push fear in order to obtain more power to themselves and like any in my opinion, any fair-minded individual, you should always be skeptical of the government. If history has taught us anything, it's that the government is the biggest threat to civilization, it always has been, and it always will be. And while I was researching this book and researching, some things came up of an anti-human movement. And the more I research about climate, because it's something I'm greatly, I am concerned about. While always being concerned, also being concerned about the, about human life. I think we should have clean water. I think we should have clean air. I think we should have clean oceans. And I think we should take care of our animals and we should take care of each other. But I came across a, a Stanford ecologist, which he mentions in False Alarm in a book called The Population Bomb, because you'll you'll hear many people today in the environment or that are part of the environment movement, that we should have less children, and that we should control the population because we're having too many people. One, who is the government or anyone to tell you if you should have children or not? And what do you do? What do politicians and people of power do to control the population? And so is it carbon dioxide that they're trying to eliminate or is it you, the carbon being, that they're trying to eliminate? Now I think there's many people who are in supportive of the green the green movement who care about the environment. But I also think there's a lot of powerful people in that movement who care about control and power and they care about population control. And this book, which I, I recommend you guys all read, it's about, you can get it on PDF online, The Population Control. Mind you, he was drastically wrong but never held accountable. It was published in 1971 and he said that the world was, in, by the 1980, the life expectancy of the American would be 42 years old. Wrong. He also said that that we would run out of food. Wrong. And based off him and other researchers that say that the pop- growing population is bad has resulted into some researchers considering adding chemicals to water supplies or staple foods to make the world poorer temporarily sterile. And we've seen governments make people sterile or have a, have a population policy like China, a one-child policy. And who is it for experts to tell anyone but developing more vulnerable populations that they can't have children and to think about or even implement sterilization of these people? Who do these people think that they can play God? while there is absolutely no statistical data saying that more people on this earth have led to worse life on this earth as far as less food because the more people have actually resulted into more food, as well as just life being more easily and convenient because the world's population has grown since then and the convenience of life has drastically improved. So it makes you think, are these people pro environment or are they anti human? And the more research I do, I tend to think there's a lot of people in this movement that are anti human. These are the same people that are pro abortion. They think you shouldn't have children, as if children and having children will destroy the earth, and that your joy of having a family is not, does not outweigh the cost that they say of the planet so is it pro planet or anti-human and i will have a follow-up video on the anti-human agenda that i've noticed and i will go more in depth on some of the experts that have implemented this or facilitated this ideology and have pushed it for many 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 years and to wrap up i just want to say that In my opinion answering the problems of climate and many other things are through human ingenuity it is through innovation as we know governments suck at everything the few amount of people in government tend to make problems worse i believe that the vast amount of people in the population given the freedom will ultimately solve the problems through innovation and development And not only will they solve the problems, they will grow our economy, making life better for you and I and everyone else, making it more convenient, making it more prosperous, and allowing us to do more things. Because when you live in a more privileged society, then you get to think about art and music and things, hobbies. When you're living in a developing nation where you don't even know where your next meal is, you don't have the luxury of being able to have hobbies. And so, I truly believe that the answer is through innovation. Now, of course, I find there to be minor but some regulation that is important. And I would say, I don't know where I fall on that because I tend to not really be in favor of regulation because I think the government always goes too far. And I genuinely do think, for the most part, people want a clean environment and they want to they, when given the opportunity, they will make the right decision to create things while having the less, as little amount of damage to the environment as possible. For instance, in the future, in the near future, I am in the process of working on a clothing company. I don't know if many of you know, next to the oil industry, clothing is one of the leading polluters in earth or on on our earth, Um, the leading polluting, the leading polluting industries on earth. And majority of it is done in China. So I would like to take the initiative for one, I love fashion, but to create a company that is conscious of not only where things are being sourced, but how they're being sourced and how they're being made. And I think it is up to us as the individual, even though he will argue that it's not technically individuals that will solve the problem. But if we are more conscious consumers and we demand that industries and companies really do business according to our values, I think we will make an impact. And I truly believe that innovation and human ingenuity is the answer and little government is the way. I don't believe in an ever expanding government that controls every aspect of our life. I think the Green New Deal and these tremendously expensive policies with little benefit are not a way to solve the problem of the environment, but rather a way to control you, control your means of production, your money, and to give the people in government our better better halves all the power. So, like I said, this wasn't something to make you think a certain way, but I hope it gave you some information to just give you something to think about and do some research on your own. Of course, always do research on topics before agreeing to policies that could ultimately cost you a lot of money and even cost you your freedoms so I hope you found this episode I hope you found this episode somewhat educational if not entertaining so I hope to see you again soon if you did let me know what you think share with your family and friends again I appreciate you for watching always take care of yourself educate yourself rely on yourself to educate yourself do not rely on the government or anyone else. It is up to you, be a responsible, cognizant, conscious being and if we want change in the world, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. So again, thank you for watching. Love y'all and God bless. See you soon.